Hello, and welcome back to the prequel at the end of the book podcast. We're your hosts, Rachel, Jen, and Lydia. Uh, and Pearl's here to produce Hi, today. Pearl. Hi, Pearl. Hi, Pearl. So, we're back to talk about a brand new episode of the Winchesters called Hang On To Your Life. It was written by Nick Chatri Sridej. Hopefully, I, I looked it up. Hopefully, I pronounced that correctly. And then directed by Amin Kadarali, who was a director in some of the later seasons of Supernatural. So it was really exciting. A little bit of housekeeping before we jump into it. We have learned that, unfortunately, the Valentine's Day episode will be a repeat, according to K-Site. It will be airing The Art of Dying again instead of a new episode. Wow. Still, still watch it. Still, still watch, watch it. it. Yeah. Give <laughs> the uh, numbers. One of my favorite episodes that they've aired. So Exactly. Know, watching again. But just not a new one, unfortunately. All right, so if if you missed the episode, we'll go into a synopsis. Sorry, first of all, if you missed this episode, I'm I apologize for you. Yeah, if you missed yeah. this episode, first of all, yeah. pause this, go back Big and watch it, and come back. Um, but here's a synopsis, and and buckle up because this was a doozy of an episode. So we start with uh, outside a club in Kansas City, a musician on his way home at the end of the night spontaneously combusts while a mysterious figure watches. Back in Lawrence, Mary, John, and Millie watch over an unconscious Samuel. Mary asserts that even though she's achieved her goal of finding her father, she doesn't feel comfortable walking away just yet with everything still so up in the air. Carlos and Lada arrive and explain that although they haven't picked up any police scanner chatter that would indicate a creta activity, the death of the musician the previous night is setting up red flags for monster activity. Not wanting to leave her father, Mary declines to accompany Carlos and Lada on the hunt, with John also volunteering to stay behind. At the club, Lada and Carlos investigate, discovering that the dead man's dressing room is full of occult symbols for protection, and that he was a bandmate of an old friend of Carlos's named Jericho, who Carlos used to tour with back in his musician days. Carlos admits to Lada that he's reluctant to attend Jericho's show that night because it feels like looking at a funhouse mirror version of how his life could have ended up. But after getting a tip from a roadie that a stranger they spotted in the bar may have been responsible for the death they're investigating, ultimately decides to stick around. Back in Lawrence, John tells Mary he doesn't want to treat their kiss as an impulsive heat of the moment act. <laughs> heat of the moment. Mary agrees that she has feelings for John, but isn't ready to pursue a relationship with everything still up in the air. When Samuel wakes up, Millie fills him in on what's been going on while he was away and unconscious. And he immediately objects to the idea of Mary teaching Campbell family hunting secrets to quote unquote, the son of an MOL man. But Millie reminds him that if it weren't for Henry, they would all be dead at the hands of the Akrita. At the Nave of Hearts Club, Lotta and Carlos watch Jericho perform and intervene when they see signs that he may be about to die like his bandmate did, only for the club's bartender to become the next victim instead. Jericho confesses that after he and Carlos parted ways, he was struggling to find an audience without Carlos's talent to draw in crowds and ended up making a deal with the trickster god Loki to gain success in his career, but at the price of having to sing to someone who will then be burned alive or else be consumed by the fire himself. Meanwhile, Samuel reveals that he's been tracking the Akrita to try and find their queen's burial site and gives Mary film of his stakeout photos to develop. And John chastises him for treating Mary more like a soldier than a daughter. Rich. 
coming from John. Anyway, Jericho <laughs> betrays Carlos to Loki, who agrees to release Jericho if Carlos will take on his curse instead. Carlos reluctantly agrees, and the gang starts researching ways to break Carlos free of Loki's curse without him having to sing to anyone and kill them. Lata believes she's found a way to enchant their blades to make them capable of killing Loki, and Samuel insists on joining the crew in their attack. Mary challenges him on his behavior and walking out on her, leaving her in the dark and then trying to come waltzing back into her life like nothing ever happened. Samuel admits that his primary motivation was wanting to keep Mary safe in the hope that maybe the monster box the men of letters created could rid the world of monsters so that Mary could live a life free of hunting. The gang goes to confront Loki and a scuffle ensues with the trickster creating several duplicates of himself to keep the gang busy. But once they've seemingly defeated the real Loki, he reveals it was all a ploy and commands Carlos to sing, offering up Jericho as a target for the curse. Carlos refuses even though he knows the curse will kill him, stating that the sacrifices he's made to be a hunter are worth it because he's gotten something more valuable out of it than the career he gave up. The curse breaks when Carlos refuses to take the selfish way out. Loki flies into a rage over having lost his gambit and seemingly becomes trapped in the enchanted mirror he carries with him. After the confrontation with Loki, Samuel prepares to meet up with Ada to track down a lead on magic that they may be able to use to defeat the Akrita, and Mary reveals that there are light leaks on all the stakeout photos he took that make them almost unusable. The two share a sentimental farewell, and then the gang goes to watch Carlos perform at the Nave of Hearts, taking over Jericho's spot in the band's last night at the venue. Carlos sings beautifully over a montage, and the audience has given a glimpse of a very familiar face in the background. The episode concludes with Mary kissing John and telling him that she doesn't care about the Akrita or the fate of the world, she only wants to be with him. John begins to reciprocate, but is distracted by one of the damaged photos Samuel took. He recognizes a figure in the visible portion of the photograph and identifies it as the man who delivered his father's letter to him. A glimpse of the photo reveals to the audience that the mystery man is none other than Dean Winchester himself, <laughs> apparently alive and well in 1970s Kansas. The video chat right now, as I started reading that, my face i was just just like uncontrollably smiling we were just waiting, we were waiting not to to that part. <laughs> you're in your voice when you start yeah. talking <laughs> this episode had so oh many su- like, surprises and by so many i mean really like no no i'll say like three because i wasn't actually expecting jojo to sing that much but speaking of jojo uh let's just talk about carlos for a hot second first of all I was so happy that this episode more or less kind of just focused on Carlos and Lada and made them the A plot. Mm-hmm. Same. And John and Mary were the B plot. I mean, still important, but they Carlos and Lada got to shine. Yeah. And I liked that. And shine they did. Yes. Um, especially JoJo. Like, like snaps, standing ovation, like all the praise. <laughs> they were just so so good in this episode and the song uh was just amazing that's kiss and and i and i actually am not a fan of when shows like have their actors sing a whole last song at the end of an episode or try to shoehorn something in and i'm talking about yes the vampire diaries right now uh or really any disney show but disney they were a little better with it Wow. <laughs> Jen said, fuck the Vampire Diaries. Listen, I, Caroline randomly singing, the actress wanted a career, 
irritated me. Um, but this actually felt like it was part of it and it didn't feel off. And, and I think the reason why is because also the other additional shots you had while Carlos was singing of the mysterious person up on stage with him. Mm-hmm. So it didn't feel detached from the episode, which is why I didn't cringe and was quite enjoying yeah. it. <laughs> well, it was, like it was very much like, uh, like the plot that Carlos was involved in. Like it wasn't extraneous to what was going on with the plot or the characters. No, it, it blended. It, it blended, you know? Perfectly. Oh, I, just, I love Carlos so much. I don't. I, I don't even have words to express it. It's like my brain when I try to express the ways in which Cass is incredible. I'm just like it's Cass. Like that's all. Like that's all I can say. You know, big lump with knobs. It has sister. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but speaking of Carlos, also we get more insight into like his state of mind and his past, which was more than we've gotten so far. Obviously. Um, basically the stuff that we've had hints of before, but like now Mm -hmm. we get more of a clearer look, like regrets about leaving music versus reasons for doing so. When he got the brand of on his arm, and I'm happy that our writers who did the outline also noticed this, and I'm sure y'all did too. My immediate thought was Mark of Cain. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. Y'all's brains just work different than my, literally that did not cross my mind until I just read this. And I was like, Oh my god. I think it's just because I've seen so many gift sets over the years. And and honestly, I'm one of those people the Mark of Cain arc was one of my favorites for Dean because I like it when characters are at their lowest because then I get to enjoy the journey back up to the top. So Mark of Cain plot is always in my head. And I think right before the episode started, we were or just after also no, the last podcast episode we recorded, we talked about Amara. And so I was, I just had that on my brain. This um, is just what happens when you've only seen Supernatural once. <laughs> we need someone like you, Lydia. Yeah. You need someone who hasn't seen it 50 times. <laughs> but um, lots of Dean parallels, which I guess was fitting considering the ending of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. I can't um, believe that happened. Anyway, sorry. But well, also just the refusal to make the easy choice and sacrifice someone else to save his own skin. The theme of found family actually retaining relevance, looking at you finale. Say that. Say that louder, Jen. Yeah. <laughs> literally I mean, as it appears right now, the power of friendship saved the day. You know? The power of that found family saved Carlos, basically. Um it did. And so it's just so nice to see. But the show. funniest thing, and I, well, I'm, am I, am I, am I, am I? Okay, well, I'll save it till the end. I won't name him till the end, but if you know who I'm talking about, you know who I'm talking about. But the fact that Found Family did save the day for him, and with all of his Dean parallels, and Dean even being shown in that photograph at the end, the fact of who was on stage with Carlos, and the fact that the main show clearly didn't end with found family saves the day is loud. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. We'll get to it. We'll get to <laughs> yeah. it. That's why I'm not saying I'm yeah. not, I'm not going into too much. Depth yet. <laughs> but, uh, um, but, yeah. 
Anyway, we Carlos also- was the star of the show. JoJo was like the hero of the hour, the MVP. And um, also not even not even JoJo or Carlos, but also that awesome like robe thing. Oh my god. We were all like, we want the robe. Our yeah, robe. We, want- <laughs> we found like groups for it. Um yeah. but even the final outfit was well oh, while, yeah. uh, it was just straight fire. Whoever does the costuming for this show, I love you. On point. Mm-hmm. Like every time. Speaking of costuming. Uh, someone else who had some stellar fashion this episode is our favorite Gabriel. And by the way, I'm of I'm of the opinion that it was Gabriel and not Loki pre Gabriel. Yeah, um, no, I, I think I think it's Gabriel posing as Loki. Well, that's they said that. Yeah. Did they did did they not in that video where like where I think that's what they were implying, but also nothing. I don't know if they meant to share like, that. Well, well, because like. Well, because Meg was like, "Wait, so was it Loki or Gabriel?" and it, and and Jensen was like, "It was both, or whoever it was." Or yeah. Drake. Well, it's like I didn't even get to watch any of those. Like I was so wrapped up in the conversation with y'all after the episode aired that I never went back and watched them. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like maybe it, I don't know. I'm under the impression that it was like imp- just implied that we were supposed to understand that this is both Gabriel and Loki, just because this is a prequel show and we've watched Supernatural and we know. That's well, yeah, and yeah. it's, it's and too like, convoluted to have him be anyone other than yeah. Because like the, I feel like the Loki is a good way of like introducing it him to new fans. Yeah, you know, this is the tall tale. Also, it's the shorthand for viewers already to know that all is probably not as it seems because he is so associated with being Gabriel at this point. You that the Loki is kind of irrelevant in Supernatural. Like the episode mm-hmm. about Loki that he was in in Supernatural was about how Gabriel disguised himself as Loki for years. You know, and also they know he never went by so, Loki in Supernatural. Yeah. So I think that's also what was kind of throwing exactly. us off. Why are yeah. they calling him Loki and not just the Trickster? Because yeah. they always just called him the Trickster. So, but it was interesting that Gabriel seemed to have been specifically targeting Carlos. So, like, and this is how this is this is why. It I feel like felt different because for the first two episodes, we had Gabriel as Loki. Well, okay, I'll say Tall Tales and Mystery Spot before we knew something was up. Gabriel was specifically targeting people for just desserts, and this this felt more not that. This one felt less righteous, oh, and yeah. and probably it's probably because at this point we know he's an archangel. And when he was first introduced in Supernatural, I don't even know if they had that idea. I found it interesting he seemed to specifically target Carlos, especially given how he specifically targeted the Winchesters in the original show. And it's just because he went after an old friend of Carlos's implies that the old friend was just a means to an end. Yeah. The end being access to Carlos. And so like, and, and, and engineers a bunch of meetings with him. He disguises himself as a roadie. Um, you know, the whole the whole situation, even when, you know, Carlos picks the hat up, seems totally contrived. Like, you know, he wanted Gabriel, Loki, whatever we're calling him, clearly wanted to come face to face with Carlos for whatever reason. That we'll get into our thoughts on that, too. But, you know. Um, yeah. So it's, I feel like we're really ramping up to the things that we've been theorizing. It is what it feels like about, like angels potentially being involved here 
it's it's interesting because going back to the usual mo interesting because he's clearly breaking from the usual ironic comeuppance mo this implies he has an angle like planting the fake ritual lottie used to enchant their blades which he dubbed that yeah wait wait no rachel look like you were about to say something say Um, something i was just gonna say we've been trying to get a translation find a translation and like we've got like a bit of one but not enough that we that i feel we feel comfortable like putting it out there but once we do once we get it we'll we'll let people know so yeah um the his over the top hissy fit when he's defeated which includes very clearly intentionally smashing the mirror before he's allegedly trapped in it uh yeah quote unquote trapped in it and i'll get back to that in a second yeah then he gets brought right into the uh clubhouse and it feels like a con he's running and as we know other than season 13 if you believe he died in that or not uh which i don't think he did he's known for that you know, like he's so he runs you can't a long time. Like, yeah, <laughs> he makes people believe that. Oh, you defeated me. Oh, oh no, yeah. I'm gone. And then he's he's still there. And now he's in the clubhouse with all yeah. of the books, with all with the little fucking box. You know, yeah. Like, which which Laka had her own little like sneaky face when she locked up that trunk too. But um, she seemed quite proud of herself. Yeah. Also. But also, this lore for him is different. We've never had this lore for him before, you know? Yeah. Like, like in the previous episodes, it was, okay, stab him with a wooden stake. Yeah, we've never you know? had, like, an enchanted blade. You know, or never mirror. heard about a mirror. We did research, too, um, to try and see if there's any stories about Loki having a mirror. We couldn't find anything. That's why it felt more of, like, a... Yeah, so it, all, it feels like a... Like a I guess a MacGuffin is the wrong word, but like, it feels like intentionally. It feels like what he's done. Misleading, you know? Like what he, it feels like what he's done in literally every episode we've seen him in where he quote unquote died. Yeah. And it would be weird to change that behavior now. Yeah. I feel like. Given uh, Gabriel is an archangel, you would expect him to be meddling with the kids from the vessel lineages, but instead he he went right for Carlos. Carlos and Lada, so far as we know, aren't part of the cosmic plot. Yeah. Um. It, but is so I we wonder if it's like a clue that maybe Carlos is more integral to what's going on than we realize. And this is when I say, Carlos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> Gabriel's like, I'm going to get these two together because fuck the cosmic plot. Uh, <laughs> he's trying. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry. That's my, okay. There's my crack theory. There it is. Yeah. So, okay. So I guess we do, we do have a couple words translated at the bottom, like in our, in our little outline for this section. Um, so just based on uh, our writer Laura's passing familiarity with some modern Scandinavian languages, uh, they translated a couple words of the fake incantation. Um, Skratar, which means to laugh. Uh, Brander, which means joke. And a phrase that they think translates as you can't slash won't guess. Uh, It's a pretty rough translation and is missing a lot, but it gives like a decent idea, sort of. Just just sounds Um, like controlling them like how yeah <laughs> like haha you'll never guess what i actually did or what would actually get me kind of thing like i'm know? laughing at you yeah this exactly is a joke. you don't got me 
if there is anybody out there who are who is familiar with like the Nordic language family, please feel free to like let us know if you've got some sort of translation. That would be awesome. If you won't guess that I'm an archangel. Yeah, right? <laughs> By the way, this is now, well, with Gabriel, and then we've had Betty with her Michael stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that arts and crafts project she was doing. Yeah. And then thoughts on some of the imagery and costumes in this episode also. But Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I th- I th- I'm assuming there's a section of this outline where we'll get deep into that. But Jer- Jericho's necklace was quite something. Yeah. But... Before we get there. Time for the parents. (laughs) And before we get started, I just want to say I'm owning up to the shame I have in shipping Millie and Samuel when I'm purely on Millie Ada uh, shipping, but... Listen, multi-shipping is fun. And maybe it's just Bianca. Maybe it's just her. Oh, yeah. Her energy is like... She just... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm just like, oh no. Damn it, oh, no. you're married. <laughs> um, hey, it's in the 70s, free love. But yeah, so Millie's not a fan of how Samuel raised Mary into hunting and lets him know as much, which felt like Bobby energy. Oh yeah, absolutely. Which I can appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then Samuel kind of bites back, uh, you know, referencing, you know, the argument that came up in As Time Goes By when we met Henry, where, you know, they they said that the men of letters buried themselves in study rather than, like, putting themselves uh, into the, you know, line of hunting. And, and Samuel calls, calls, calls him a, the son of a mole man, um, which I thought was really funny. Um, nerds. Nerds. Weebs. Yeah, and understandably, you know, Millie lost her husband anyway uh, because yeah, he it's ended like... up in the line of fire. So she bristles at that. And it also just, like, continues to bring up the kind of the stupidity of this, like, you know, turf war between them. Because yeah. obviously they work best together. Obviously, you know. It's just, like, these preconceived notions about, like, what what is the more like righteous honorable. way of helping people or honorable way of helping people when the the honest answer is both ways you know you need the knowledge yeah. in order to do the hunting exactly and you need the hunting in order to mitigate the risk that's out there to people yeah but either and bobby i, I don't know why i just thought of this but bobby like encapsulates both because he both knows everything but was also a hunter yeah and I don't know. I like. I think I like Bobby Singer a little bit more right now. Just thinking about it, that was completely <laughs> off topic. Yeah. But I'm just like Bobby can do both. Why can't y'all do both? Right? <laughs> then um, again, we do know that the Campbell family library is a thing from the original show. I don't know if it's a thing in this timeline. Yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But we also on. know that the Campbells were nerds too. So. Or, yeah. oh, or maybe it started because of Millie and Lada and all of this going on. Maybe that's why the Campbell Family Library existed. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. You know? Jen, you might be on something. <laughs> that, yeah. okay, that's it. That's it. That's yeah. my quota. It's filled. Uh, no more. But yeah, just thinking about, I, I'm excited to see further 
I'm excited to see like the you know further scenes between these two though to see like how that conflict plays out between them so they're all they're also good actors honestly yeah, I I love, I'm know. loving Tom Welling as Samuel also like built like a brick shit house that tank top the titties Drake's the titties. Titties. Drake's titties got to take a break <laughs> Drake's titties got to they, take a break they, they yeah, pulled Tom. out Tom's instead <laughs> But I need some, so someone um, on Tumblr, um, Apophany Cree, I believe, reminded us that in the flashback, the first flashback Dean went to, Samuel has no hair. And that is literally a year-ish from where we started this episode. And basically, this person was like, how stressful was John to the point where Samuel just lost all of his hair? Like, like his hair is pretty luscious right now. Like, right? Where did it and go in a year? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe with Samuel's person of personable person. I don't know how to talk. Um, basically, Samuel in the original show is just a fucking jerk every single time he's on TV. But I don't hate him now. No, on TV. so I, maybe that's frustrating now. But I don't hate him. I don't the hate way it. That I did. Sorry, I just look Mr. at him like, Lucky, but like, you know, you're kind of annoying. I just like, he's annoying and frustrating, but like, he's, he's just, he has like the old school dad vibe. Yeah. He doesn't have dickwad vibes. Exactly. Like Mitch's Samuel has, but also real quick, it was really funny because in one of the act breaks, it ended looking at him like Tom Welling, Samuel. And then the very next thing that played was a promo oh, for, for Walker. Walker with Mitch it had Mitch as the first shot, and I'm just like, "Fucking Jesus Christ!" Like that threw me off. <laughs> Holy crap! It was, it was whiplash. But in the continuing of the, uh, we have issues with our parents theme of the show and universe. Samuel and Mary's reckoning definitely some mirroring with Dean's relationship with John in terms of being daddy's little soldier, friends in the family. But yeah, that he does admit that he like was intentionally throwing her off of tracking him and was being Why secretive. can't these people fucking talk to each other? Like why can't you just tell her before you go? Have you seen that like meme where it's like supernatural and it's like it's like a giant book and then it's like a one page book that's like supernatural if they communicated? For real. It's like supernatural. Dude, the communication issue show. If you just told her, Hey, Mary, I have to go do something. Please don't track me. Understand I'm an adult. I know what I'm doing. I will be back at some point. Don't follow me. Don't track me. Like, why can't y'all just be honest with that? I just. Yeah. It's not in their genes. I'm going to tell you after the fact. We have 15 seasons because they passed that It's all about the trauma that, you know, the burden of hunting put onto them or the burden of their responsibility with this knowledge put onto them. You know, it's like I have to take take on this burden without saying anything about it because that's just what I have to do. Because that's because that's what it, that's what hunting is. They can't tell anybody in the real world world about it. You know, so they learn to just like stay quiet about. You know, which but is you also why I maintain that the way to like actually, you know, one deal with creatures and monsters in a more productive way. But then also, so less people die, is to just tell the world about them. Like, seriously. Or, or just tell your daughter, who you know is extremely reactionary to shit, <laughs> like, that you might be gone for a little bit. Also, yeah. by the way, like, 
he seemed to have recovered from wherever he went just absolutely fine and i'm suspicious especially considering the dean photo but that's a different theory I'm still not sure how he got pictures of Dean. Like, I have no theories on that. But Well, you know. he's, he's suspicious to me. I don't even know. Okay, my theory is that this isn't actually even really Samuel. So, okay. um, interesting. like right. it is, but also isn't. Okay. But if you contrast his conversation with Mary to John's 20-plus year mission to avenge Mary, and it became their whole life and rarely let up but it's also worth noting that while john expresses regret that he's pushed dean and sam into hunting he doesn't actually do anything about it whereas samuel is actively trying to end the monster threat so mary can have a safer life yeah which i guess that gives samuel like half a step so it was up. actually really interesting because i felt like the parallel here was not necessarily it was partially dean and john but also partially dean and mary in season 12 with the, yeah. with the British men of letters. That was what Mary was doing was she was working with the British men of letters. Cause she was like, so she learned this behavior from her dad for, from, yeah. you, you know, so yeah. Apple doesn't fall yeah. too far, far from the tree. And it feels like, honestly, it, I want to say that their sons have also exhibited this behavior, but in a more personal sense of self-sacrifice yeah. Um, I'm thinking specifically season eight with Sam and the trials. Like I can make the world a safer place for everyone else. If I just do what I got to do and don't stop me yeah. sort of stuff. So they're not married though. And they don't have kids. So they can't do it that way. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're just more on a worldly scale. Yeah. But <laughs> the most ironic part of the whole episode was John calling Samuel out and treating Mary like a soldier. Yeah, I literally man. was like, oh, God. I was like, excuse me, no. John Winchester? Did I hear, just hear you say that? I actually almost went to Twitter to yeah. at Robbie and like, I'm like, you did, oh man, you were made <laughs> say something like this. Have you seen that meme where it's like, what did he say? Like, <laughs> what? Um, but yeah, I just love that the show just continues to be like the John really had no excuses for doing what he did to his kids because he knew yeah. fucking damn well that it was wrong mm -hmm. show. Like, and it, I just love it. I just love it. Like, and that's what it is. But like, remember before this episode, the show even started. Yeah, also scared. Everyone was so fearful that they were going, this was and like I, the John. Listen, I was skeptical about the concept of the show for a brief minute. Just because I was like, I don't know why they would make a show about John and Mary. But as soon as I heard Robbie Thompson was involved, I was like, oh, this is potential. Because, like, yeah, because yeah. Robbie Thompson is, is, not, a John is not a John apologist. And I just no. don't know where anybody ever got the idea that, and to be honest, barely any of the writers are John apologists, not even Buck Lemming are John apologists. I think, I think the fear came from, uh, from, from Jensen's words over the years about John. Which, Just because he uh, dared to have a nuanced view of John playing the child of that. Yeah. Character. Also, it felt like you a know? very Gen X view yeah. of rough parenting. So, um, but you know. but that's what I love about the show is that at first you're just like, wow, that's really insightful, and then you realize that it's the show telling you that John really had no excuse. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, not like we needed to be told that, but 
yeah doubling down yeah. on that in case you forgot fuck john winchester that's what they're saying yeah, <laughs> for real for real yeah in, in case you're um, falling like, in love with Drake like, we're gonna much. make you like the early like c- what could have been version of john but we're not gonna let you forget what he became yeah yeah it's like yeah you're gonna fall for 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 john's titties right now and his puppy dog <laughs> eyes but yeah sure and he's still gonna yeah. be the john winchester and that you yeah. are, have come to know and loathe and victim villainize in all of your fanfics speaking of villains oh real, okay sorry oh, real quick i do have to leave unfortunately okay okay but i do want to <laughs> but i do just want to scream about dean being alive and the fact that i did not think we were going to see chuck in this episode at all and i think it's absolutely wild that they not only did they show him they zoomed on in his face and they stayed there to make sure we saw him and i think that's insane that they did yeah. that and i have been having un- unhinged thoughts mm-hmm. every i literally on- haven't stopped thinking oh. about it since <laughs> the episode aired i've been in my pt sessions <laughs> just when i'm icing for the 10 minutes at the end just thinking about this show um i've literally haven't felt this way since november 5th so anyway <laughs> I was wearing my chuck one sweatshirt during the airing of the episode, do you know how much know what that means? Screamed! Oh my god. Um. Anyways, okay. I'm so sad. I have to go, but okay. it's okay. Bye, Lydia. Bye. Okay. Love you guys. Bye. I feel like it's worth also mentioning. I don't know. I think it was when Dean's photo was shown. I think is when Lydia typed in the Discord chat. I'm giving birth or something. No, no. She was like, I, I, I think it was. Oh, I'm, I'm going, going into labor. labor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I had tears streaming down my face from laughter. It was so funny. So Jen, you were saying, speaking of villains. Speaking of villains, I keep I keep thinking, I, I feel like that's been my transition phrase for every section now. Like, speaking of this, John, Mary, and angels. angels. Uh, John's speech about living with. The consequences contrast to certain someone who literally waited until he wouldn't ever have to live with the consequences to say something. <coughs> hmm. Interesting. Get back here and face face what you just said. Yeah. And it's so funny because I feel like just about that particular line, like he it's not said flippantly in the show, but like he just says it very kind of like softly uh matter of factly and then like moves on to the next thought that he has but like it's such a weird threatening way (laughs) to describe wanting to be in a relationship with somebody the consequences yes that's exactly how i view romantic relationships it's so strange maybe that's why i haven't been in a relationship in over a decade (laughs) i don't i don't want to live with the consequences Yeah. Also, I don't have angels setting me up, so. Yeah, which I feel like is a scenario in which talking about consequences in terms of a relationship would actually make sense. But yeah, um, I think, so what was really, I feel like what kind of started us on like our theories around this episode was the flip that Mary had um, from like asking John for just more time at the beginning of the episode to like like a kiss attack at the end of it that like looked like such an awkward kiss just the angle she was at it was I have a question yeah did that happen while Carlos was singing Mm -hmm. or like just before Carlos was singing 
I think it happened right after. So after we saw right after. all the lens flares? Yeah. That was like the very last bit of the episode because that was when so they showed telling, the Dean. Yeah. So you're telling me that mm-hmm. Mary flipped after we saw Chuck yes, exactly. up on stage. Exactly. And all those lens flares. Okay. And, I got you. Yeah. 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 Um, makes sense. Yeah. So. Fucking jackass. <laughs> Sorry. You know. I'm going to blame him now. Yeah. And like I, we, we said this when we were talking about uh, the mid-season finale. But like you know, it was the it's the, it was the seventh episode of the show, and they already had John and Mary making out on screen, which like we knew was going to happen eventually. Obviously, yeah. it's not a question of of if it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen, but yeah. it was more so that I feel like we were slightly surprised that they did it that soon. I guess yeah, and that's why it felt like that wasn't the goal of the show. Yeah, no, because they introduced it so early. And now with this, like, you know, when she starts off the episode ready to, like, we're going to forget about this for now kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I just find it interesting that she, like, it was like another speed run. This time in an episode rather than half a season where she, like, suddenly flips. And it's after Gabriel's put in the clubhouse. And it's after we see Chuck. And it's after the yeah. lens flares. And it's, so it's just, it's an, it's clearly a, I feel like it's clearly a subversion of the usual sort of television formula for romances. And it also, yeah. there are like these hinky things going on in the episode that made us like, wait a second, wait a second. <laughs> There's something going on here. Yeah. Um, Cause it seemingly came out of yeah. nowhere. So yeah, we're very much speculating angel interference. Because Loudon Swain were featured in the episode, which is Rob Benedict's band. Mm-hmm. And it was great seeing them. They were posting all over social media that they were going to be in the episode. Rob Benedict wasn't anywhere in these. He wasn't tagged. Like, nobody mentioned him. So we were like, and oh, no one he's not going to be him. there. Nobody expected him. We didn't think that he was going to be there. Or, like, if by some chance he was going to be there, they'd just show, like, a little glimpse of him in the back at the end of the episode or something like that. And then... There's a moment when Carlos drags Jericho off stage where they have the piano player sort of, they focus on his face for just a second and you see his profile. He's in dark clothing and wearing sunglasses. And like, we were like, wait a second, is that Rob? Like, and like the sunglasses and the wig and the facial hair, we were like, like we thought maybe, but we weren't sure. Was that Rob? And then at the end of the episode. It's very, it's it's very clear. You can't miss it. You they, can't miss it. He's dressed right in front of pretty much all white. The, and they did a tight shot on him. He and the wig was face. The wig was like it was Sam like quality. Party City wig 2.0. It was Chuck One Finale quality. Yeah. But my favorite thing was is that Briar, uh, who started Nerds and Beyond on Twitter, she was like, that was Rob, like at the very beginning. And I was like, fuck, how do we rewind? I can't rewind. I need to. And then then, they just straight up showed him at the end. And I'm like, okay. Now, this is a question that, and I had a very long discussion on another Discord server about this. Um, So I'm sorry if I ramble. But the question is, is this, should we assume it's Chuck or just an Easter egg? Now, my argument is that it's Chuck because in my opinion, it's irresponsible for Robbie mm-hmm. or anyone to show Rob Benedict just for funsies. Like 
because of his prominence, his character's prominence and meaning on the show of Supernatural. Yeah, they can't just. you And, and they didn't promote him and also. They didn't promote him either. Like, I feel like if he really didn't mean anything, they would just let people know that he was going to be in the episode. Yeah. You know? And, but also, so, right, because it was the first episode back after the mid-season hiatus, there was some press that got released, including an article from the Sci-Fi Wire. And Robbie was talking about, you know, because everyone's question with the show is, when are you going to bring back this character? Are you going to bring back this character? What about this character? Or like, what, are you going to reference this thing? Or like, Easter egg? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And Robbie said, basically, when we get into the nitty gritty of, of if we do bring in that character, what is the story? What are we saying about Supernatural? And are we breaking anything that we therefore have to buy? Anytime that was the case where it felt like there was no more story here and therefore it was just an Easter egg fun thing, we moved on from it. It's not like they're Pokemon and we've got to collect them all. So any Easter eggs, he's effectively saying any Easter eggs that you see in the show, they're there for a reason. They're yeah. not just and for a fun is, reference. We're not just being tongue in cheek. Like they're there for a reason. You and know? this is this was my argument. I I basically was like a psychologist for a second. I what I was yeah. saying was basically um, during this conversation I was having was like during Supernatural's run because it was so long. There were so many writers. There were so many showrunners, and so much of a push and pull here or there, and and not a lot of transparency about certain things. You didn't know if you were allowed to run with certain theories or not, if it was true, or if you were allowed to dig as deep as you were. People did it anyway. Oh, yeah, because people are always going to do it anyway. And sometimes you're going to absolutely, like, catch on to something. And sometimes it's just a fun fan exercise. It doesn't always have to have justification in in terms of creative intent. But the fact that we do have this acknowledgement of the creative intent is kind of, it's it's a little bit of permission it's like I don't they know. have stated multiple yeah. times that costumes hairstyles it's all song titles so like the music lighting. that they use lighting the music they yeah. use everything means something yeah. and you you add, and they know that we're gonna dig deep into this and I think with Supernatural because it was an original show it wasn't based off of anything it was creating its own lore as it went along but this show is tied to that yeah therefore they can't just willy-nilly throw easter eggs in because like robbie said they can't break anything yeah and if they showed rob and it was not chuck they're breaking something they're breaking something huge by doing that exactly it it just it can't especially considering the whole point of the last season was that god was the bad guy and God was he featured heavily in the season. Exactly. So like, you can't and include him and then have it not mean anything. They're telling us that pretty much everything means something. Yeah. Therefore, Rob showing up in a Sam finale style wig, wearing all white like he did. Having with the- a spotlight halo over him that then also transitions to Carlos at some points, which is another thing we can talk about. And then right yeah. after seeing him, Mary does the flip. It's yeah. um, it's interesting. And that's why I'm on team. Obviously, that was intentional. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think they would ever 
casually put him in. And also what it made it reminded me of was the throwback Thursday that Rob did. And you can still go to his Instagram and see it where he's sitting at the writer's desk in swan song dressed in all white with the poster behind him that was the in-canon comic book that was about a prequel for John Winchester framed behind him. So I don't know if that's when they were shooting this episode. It He posted it like 13 weeks ago. But as far as I'm concerned, even Drake said, like making a pun about it during the first sighting when no one was really sure it was him, saying that it was godlike talent. Like... They're not going to joke about that. Not with the significance of no. Chuck and God and the relevant, like we all know what's going to happen with John and Mary and the Michael stuff and Gabriel's in the fucking episode. I'm like, I'm sorry. It yeah. it can't just be Rob Benedict with his band. So I don't think he was there because the band was there. I think the band was there because, because Rob was, was there. Yeah, exactly. No. Exactly. So, and then finally, the best part of the Wait, whole. Actually, episode. before we get to it, can I just touch on the Carlos yeah, thing? Because we were kind of throwing around theories in the Discord. Just because, like, why is Gabriel slash Loki targeting Carlos? Why did Carlos have, like, why did he put Carlos in a costume where the costume was very reminiscent of Angel Wings? Why was Carlos able to, like, save the day with the power of friendship? Like, it was very strange, like deus ex machina to use a appropriate term for what happened and like i'm glad that it happened but also i feel like there might be something more going on well, there so first of all you're not gonna like this part i'm thinking of that tweet i saw i think after episode four that said that carlos keeps getting associated with death imagery he's not gonna die I mean, if he does, he's not going to go anywhere. We're just going to see him again. No, but I don't think he's going to die, though. Is the but thing. I just but. had this thought, and I it might be a crack theory. You know, every angel has their true vessel. I wonder if Carlos is Gabriel's true vessel. Oh. <laughs> that would be so funny. Oh, that I'm was sorry. not where I thought you were going to go with that at all. <laughs> No, I just I thought I was going like, to go with a much more dark and depressing thought than that. <laughs> no, my my thought now is cuz like like Gabriel has a disguise from a Norse god. He's not actually like Yeah, like possessed. he changed his his visage. He's he's not in a vessel, you know. So I wonder, you know how Michael and Lucifer and all these people have their one true vessel yeah. that they have I want that'd be so funny. I mean, I there's no indication of that, but But like who knows? Because now he's he's in their trunk and he clearly was angling to get in there, in my opinion. So, like, who knows? Either he's that. on them for some reason. So And, and again, he was, like, seemingly targeting Carlos for yeah. something. Though, let's be real, Gabriel, if you want to convince someone to let you possess them, that's probably not the way to do it. No, unfortunately. <laughs> but it makes me, makes me laugh a little bit thinking yeah. about it. My The thing that I was throwing around, which, like, no, you know. I'm not saying this is going to happen. This is just like my little theory based on some of the, on the fact that there was a lot of angel like imagery put onto Carlos in the episode also is the idea that uh, Carlos was convinced to say yes to an angel, possibly playing on the as of yet unaddressed crush on Mary. Who knows? Ooh. And it turns and, you know, Carlos is, is mostly leading the operation the angels just kind of like hanging it, hanging out in the back for a ride and like 
will only interfere when necessary. But it's I was kind of wondering if maybe it was like a Cupid style angel to like. Do you play think it, it it'll happen in the future or, or has already happened? Already happened. That would be interesting. Yeah. So do you think Gabriel was actually trying to help Carlos? Maybe. Who knows? But hmm. I don't know. I know. I like that theory. Because we still don't understand really what Carlos and Lada's deal is. Well, I mean, like, we're we're getting the image. The image is becoming. Oh, yeah. But I meant, like, we're getting, we're getting, you know, I think we're getting a good amount about them, to be honest, especially considering, you know, they're new characters. I just meant, like, in the realm of cosmic plot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because with Supernatural, I went on this whole spiel with Jarlos. <laughs> um, but that how with Dean and Cass, it was an out of narrative romance that broke the narrative. And right now, John and Mary don't have any of that. I think we've already theorized that Betty has been possessed. Or, or has something to do with the angels and Michael. It's, it's part of the whole plot, yeah. whatever. I'm not saying that Carlos and Lada are possessed, but we still don't know. If there's, because Betty is the person on John's side who could be pushing things. And then Mary, Mary probably has somebody on her side who might be pushing things, you know? Yeah. And so. and she has both Carlos and Lada are close to her. Yeah. However, I don't think they are possessed at this point in time. Yeah. Or if they are, they don't know it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not a, it's not a, you know, we're going to get a reveal that somebody else has been controlling the show. I don't think that that would be how they would approach it. But, no, but um, it could just be foreshadowing. Yeah, exactly. Which is, I know I've gone on record as saying, I don't want either of them to be possessed because then means that, like, it, they weren't who they said they were. But if they did it in a way where, like, we still got it's, to meet the actual Carlos and Lada. Yeah, if it's in know, the future, and, and like it's something it they get in the fight. future, or if they already have been possessed, but it's been like a situation, like a Gadriel situation, where like they don't know that they're there. You know that, or it's like a Ben situation, Benjamin situation, where oh, Benjamin. the angels yeah, yeah, end yeah. with them. Yeah, yeah. Or, For or a second, I thought it, you meant Ben Braden, and I was like, "What? Did I miss no. something?" <laughs> Um, maybe a better analogy would be, um, a, a Michael Adam situation oh, where, yeah, yeah. where both kind of like exist at the same time, though, obviously not Michael, because at this point in time, Michael's still a jackass. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's like, I don't know. This feels, there just feels like there's a lot of foreshadowing with, with Carlos and I'm, I don't know. Yeah, I'm nervous. We'll, we'll see what happens there. But I mean, again, he's not going to die, Jen. Danielle said he wasn't going to die on her watch. Okay. <laughs> He doesn't have to die permanently on her watch. Like, he can die. But He's we have come back. Been, we have been to other planes of existence on the show, and I don't expect any less from the prequel, to be quite honest with you. But speaking of planes of existence, let's get to Dean. Dean. Okay, listen, it's not like we didn't know, but also having th- that confirmation on screen felt like... N- it felt November 5th adjacent, genuinely. Well, because for the longest time we were like, where the fuck is he? Where is he? What is he doing? Yeah. But. He's an old remember, life girl. He's an old he's life a, girl. <laughs> but. So remember, like, a couple weeks ago, like a week and a half ago or whatever, whenever we recorded the last podcast, there was that behind the scenes photo of his chair yeah. at an airport next to John's chair. And we're like, did he give John the letter? And obviously my brain didn't connect with the time, but that meant that Dean was alive. 
in some manner or fashion to interact with John. And it didn't hit me until we saw the photo. I was like, oh, yeah, he would have to be alive to give John the letter now, wouldn't he? Yeah, like, even if he was, like, in the empty or, like, had been is communicating from the empty or had been there or in heaven or wherever, like, to get out of there, he's got to be alive. He's got to be alive. Yeah. Or... And he's got to be brain, corporeal also. My brain is going, you know, even if, because we don't know what's really going on. So I don't know if this is like a simulator, <laughs> like theory thing. So maybe he, if he, but also, so basically if he's alive, they're all alive. If he's not alive and interacting with him, that means none of them are alive and they just don't know it. You know, it's one of those like sixth sense sort of things. That feels um, like a cop-out, so I don't think that's what's going to happen. It feels like a cop-out, but if they... I still like the idea of if they're all just in the empty, but they're playing out, you know, where do Chuck's drafts go? You know, going back to Lydia's first draft theory. Yeah. Maybe we can share the drawings that Lydia and I made when we were conceptualizing. If you do, please thing. explain. I was so, I wasn't even stoned when I saw those. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking okay, about? I so, cannot follow this. So Lydia's theory was like, basically that, you know, we have the timeline from the original Supernatural that includes like the 70s from the original Supernatural in which, you know, Dean was born in 79 and John and Mary met in 73 or whatever year it is, 72. And then you have the moment at which... Dean from our timeline starts affecting that timeline. And from there, there's like a little, uh, for Lydia's theory, it was like a little pocket timeline in the main one that got created, that gets created the moment Dean from like that part of the OG supernatural, like, so it's like another branch goes and branches off. Like it, it's like another branch of the timeline essentially in that, you know, defeating the creator will erase it again. And it's like whatever. a low key thing. Me, since I'm obsessed with, like, closed time loops, things have always happened this way and are always going to be happening this way, took that Lydia's theory and then turned it into circles instead. So, like, the OG timeline, I made a blue circle. (laughs) And then the moment where Dean comes in, I marked with a red X and then did a green circle through it to kind of create, it ended up looking like a Venn diagram, basically. To show the point where Dean enters that OG timeline and then the new timeline, the alternate timeline, ends up getting created. Which would go with the theory that maybe the Akrita are, in fact, after him or he's the reason why the Akrita's awake. I remember the night of the episode, I think this is when I said it, that maybe he is going after Chuck somehow. Yeah. Or the Akrita are going on that, on like, you know, the Samulet. That we're still thinking about the significant look at from the pilot. Oh, exactly. Yeah. One of my things at the beginning was it's like, is that a God tracker or a God warning? Yeah. And if it's a God tracker and we just saw Chuck in the same episode, we got confirmation. Dean is in the same timeline. Like, and then Pearl, your lovely thought theory that the Akrita belong to Amara. And if this Chuck... So with my flavor of Chuck one, Chuck is with Jack, so he wouldn't look like Chuck, but I'm ignoring that for right now. If this Chuck is indeed from the original show and he somehow went back and he's just 
you know, having fun, going to different worlds and shit. That means Amara is still fused with him. And I like the idea, I think I said this a couple podcasts ago, uh, with the theories of the Trojan horse, where Amara still has a connection with Dean. And and if she is with the Akrita, because the Akrita feel very Amara-ish, and somehow this is all connected. I don't yeah. know where Roxy comes yeah, in. Yeah, we have but. a lot of thoughts that we're trying to, like, we're waiting for them to come together. But. Honestly, honestly, I feel like I was okay. And then they showed Chuck. And now I'm like, oh, shit. Now we actually have to, like, think about all the possibilities yeah. for what's going to happen just like- I just want to throw out that I assumed Chuck was 70s Chuck, not episode 20 Chuck gone back in time. I just assumed it was Chuck as he was okay. in the 70s. I thought that, too, until, I don't, I don't know. Well, it, it depends on what your theory is about Chuck Shirley as a vessel or Chuck always having been God. Yeah, because some people believe Chuck didn't become God until Swan Song. And then there's yeah. people like me who think he's always been Same. God. I, th- I think I th- my personal theory on it is that, like, Chuck Shirley the prophet was a God who'd mementoed himself. <laughs> like, and then- but also... After like, he gets killed by Raphael or whatever, what or no, no, never mind. What happened? What am I talking about? That doesn't happen. But the fourth season, when whenever <laughs> yeah, whatever the showdown mon- and the monster at the end of the book, the inspiration for. I you know, anyway. like my. I have no reason to think this, yeah. but my theory was just that like Chuck is from like the 1700s and God has been riding his ass for a very long time. That's also a valid theory. You know, he did say in an episode also written by Robbie Thompson, I think it was his last one, when Chuck kind of came back and was talking to Metatron about shit that, what was it? Hang on, I got to bring up the gift It is in Don't Call Me Shirley, so it is Robbie's last episode, so. Oh, God, Gabriel's fashion was so fucking cool in this episode. Okay, yeah, since you said it, I'm going to point out the green and blue sort of peacock feather, but also very much reminiscent of biblical angel eye jacket that he was wearing was like yes so good loved it and also just the eyes also just remind me of like all that true form art yeah yeah. like true form biblical angel kind of look yeah this is what he said i like front row seats you know i figured i'd hide out in plain sight plus you know acting is fun so it may be like 70s him which means his vessel is obviously much older than we thought it was. Or Chuck um, is also time traveling. Like, not necessarily. Well, that's it, right? Finale, but, and that's, you know, yeah. That's where the Dean is chasing Chuck. Because we don't know why yeah. the fuck Dean's there in the first yeah, place. Exactly. Like, why is he there? Why are you giving your father a letter? Like, like, we also know that wherever he is, whatever he's doing, he doesn't seem to be in heaven, seeing as Samuel got a photo of him and the car. It, it The writer said with the heaven plates, but it doesn't say that. I mean, like you don't see the, the don't license see the plates plate. in it. Oh, okay, interesting. You don't see the plate, um, the plates. As far as I was aware, I looked at it. I didn't see the the plates. But if we do see the plates, and they say Kansas and not Ohio, then. But it's funny because the behind the scenes photo of this is actually from a Ben Edlin, a Ben Edlin episode, um, the Clap Your Hands If You Believe. Yeah, which is an iconic episode. Iconic episode, and it's it's a shot. But it is a behind-the-scenes shot. This shot wasn't actually in the episode, but it's funny because Sam is supposed to be on the other side, but he's not there. But they have their Ohio plates for that one, which is probably why 
they made sure you couldn't see the plates. I also just think it's kind of funny that that episode is starts off where they were, you know, the theory is that it's alien abductions, but then it turns out to be fairies. Um, yeah. So it's an episode where things, different are not as, things are not as they seem. So, and different dimensions. Yeah. And gay panic. Okay. And sorry, I just think of the meme. It's yeah. like, yeah, we can reasonably assume that like, even though we can't see the heaven plates, we can, pres- I'm just going to say that they're there. I'm just going to say that because the Kansas plates were there in the first episode, that he's going to have them in this episode. Yeah. But, oh, someone brought up a theory too. It was so funny. It was like, how how is baby there? You know, like whatever. And I like this. I don't know who brought it up. I'm pretty sure it was in our server though, that he's the reason why the car was in the lot in the first place. Pearl, was that you? Yes. Yes. He's the reason why the car was in the lot in the first place. Like, yeah, we have the history of the sales guy who died of a heart attack, but that was Chuck telling that tale, so who fucking knows? And and the guy's name was Sal Moriarty. And then there's also Dean Moriarty, but, well, you know. But I like that idea that Dean, clearly post-finale probably, it seems more like more and more, putting the car in the lot for his dumb what was he like 30 year old ass to trick to make his father buy which he winds up with anyway like it's this <laughs> yeah this fucking car is so funny but also the first thing i thought of was you can't rapture a car and then i remember that this episode was directed by the same person who directed uh last call uh, so... which there were many comparisons to be made between this episode and last call which also is probably um, why this episode felt really horny for some reason. Yeah. And so, um, and obviously last shout call. out to Amin Kadarali because like uh, all of us are big fans of his work on Supernatural. Like Last Call is literally one of my favorite last episodes. Last Call is ever. great. Araboros uh, is great. Like just did you just call it Araboros? That's how I said it. Is that wrong? Araboros. I you know Ouroboros. I have a history of doing this where I've only ever read words and then don't know how to pronounce them. So it's, it's okay. Fine. You can keep that this was, in. Ouroboros. That, that was me with Academy all the time. I used to pronounce it Academy. Um, <laughs> so I, I didn't know that the name Buchanan was pronounced that way. I learned in a very embarrassing manner that it's not pronounced Butchanan. So <laughs> I thought Hermione was Hermione. My aunt thought Hermione was Hermione. And she thought Phoebe was Phobe. So. <laughs> Oh, man. Language rocks. Right? Um, the okay. English language. English language. In particular. Fucking Although I guess sucks. Phoebe is technically Greek, right? And actually Hermione might be also. To be fair, the, the, the English language yeah. also is a, a Frankenstein of a bajillion other languages. Yeah. So yeah. getting back to Dean, like the real question now is like, what is he doing? What is this endgame? Like he's not just recounting the story of his parents' like, he's life. He's clearly actively interfering if he's, you know, in a photo that Samuel took while investigating the Akrita. Like, so that also begs the question, who the fuck is he talking to? Like that too, which I'm still wondering. Cause he's got to be talking to somebody. He's got to be like, writing in his he... journal for somebody. Right. Doesn't uh, he? Or unless like, he's doing... like, like, that's the purpose of having a narrator. I feel like is you're narrating to somebody for a specific purpose. And or, I don't or think, unless... and Robbie Thompson knows that. Like I know unless he knows he's doing that. that thing where you have to talk out loud as you're writing. <laughs> that neurodivergent king but we do know that we are going to wind up seeing a scene 
in the finale of this episode of this season with Dean and John at the airport. Yeah. So, so I have to wonder if that's going to be a reset and he's going to be doing it again, or if it's going to be a a flashback. flashback, But yeah. So, but I find it just so fascinating, but also completely odd. Why the fuck does Samuel have this photo? Yeah. It's weird. Also, it was just weird hearing John and Mary, like, looking at their son going, who the fuck is that guy? I know, I'm like, that's your kid. <laughs> Whose goddamn white baby is that? Like, <laughs> that's, oh, me, my dear, hang on. Uh, no, who the hell is that? And then, like, the chorus of all of us watching, just shouting, Dean! <laughs> Launching a bajillion tweets into Elon Musk Twitter. Oh, Lit- uh, God, I'm just so... Also, just to top it off, the fact that Dean is an alive girl, was an alive girl on his birthday, that the cast were fully aware of and decided to throw a party with Jensen for Dean the day that he came back to life on our television screen. That was so funny. I'm just I like, was, you're all as deranged as us, and I'm just so touched by that. Like, I feel so like the, the, the video of him running by by Lafayette Cemetery was like, I think that's what it was called, was him. Total that was shame. his idea because he does it all the time. Yeah. He was I like, feel oh, like you think Dean's dead. Think again. I feel like the party may have actually been for Drake because his birthday was two days later. Yeah, no, it probably it might have been, but yeah. but Drake, being the fanboy that he is, decided to graciously give it up for Dude. his favorite fictional character and his fictional son, <laughs> who's also played by his boss. But I like but who the joke. Also, they clearly have no compunctions about like dragging him to hell and back on the internet, which makes me really happy about the kind of environment they're cultivating. It's just so comfortable. It feels like they've been here for years and I love it so much. And And they also clearly like as bosses don't like try to pull any like power moves or like play like games with people. Like they're just like they're there. They're just chilling in an apartment, eating some cake and watching the show and live tweeting with us. I love love the show. I like my brain is melting from this week's episode. But I also like oh. liked it when they were singing "Happy Birthday" and it's very funny. And he was like, "Enough, enough," or whatever. And I liked everyone online going. The spirit of Dean literally just p- took over the vessel at that moment. <laughs> and it's just I don't know. Then, didn't Tom Welling say like something like "Happy Birthday, grandson"? In it, yeah. <laughs> it was just it was so cute. I just I, I love this it. cast. And I love this whole everything. And it does actually really does feel like a supernatural family. And the show is still small enough where it doesn't feel, obviously we haven't had like a spider web of showrunners or writers or anything. And I don't think we're going to, because I do not think they intend on this show going much even past four or five seasons if they get that far. But it feels like this story has a clear ending. Yeah. Unlike Kripke's Supernatural. So... (laughs) Like I know Kripke had an ending, but like but it's not the one that, that was, he got for his tenure. So that wasn't that wasn't the one that ended the show. Nope. Uh so <laughs> I just I just like that that is another part of Tuesday night, right? Like the episode was fucking fantastic, yeah. but also just and I couldn't even keep up with it because I couldn't pay attention when they were doing it, but just the live tweeting and the little videos and how cute everyone was okay. and these actors with their fucking bosses inside this like apartment place, whatever, just chilling out. I don't know. Oh, and it's then just... the fact that they FaceTimed Rich at some point. Yeah. And, like you're chatting with Rich. And I, ugh, 
Anyway, I love it. And they're just dweebs, and I, I love know. it. And honestly, it makes us feel like – I made the joke of how, like, in 2019 when they announced, like, the end of the show, it's like, God, how am I going to move on? And then I was like, well, now it's like, I'll move on when he moves on, and clearly he's it's not moving on. It's never happening, so. Uh, so. I'm stuck here. <laughs> I'm stuck here. And you know what? But it's nice because but it feels like more – I don't, I don't feel like I'm being held hostage, you know? I'm no, and it here because it's fun. feels and more welcome it- now. It feels like there's no shame or no. poking fun at there even being a fandom. You know how like people would make fun of like a fandom being a fandom and even the supernatural fandom caught it over the 15 years of its existence. But these guys are actively being like, Hey guys, we love you just as much as you love us. And yeah. You don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to feel like you got to hide anything. Yes, you can speculate to your heart's content, all this kind of shit. And I love that. And I think I, I do feel like that's partially because, well, I mean, you know, Jensen is, you know, he's in number one Dean Gurley. He's like, you know, uh, <laughs> I still can't get over the fact that t- Free Will Productions was the original name he wanted. Anyway. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. So like, no first of all, he's a fan. He's a massive fan of the yeah. show, clearly. But then also, he hired Robbie to be the showrunner, and Robbie is and always has been a fan himself and a writer for fans. And I think yeah. that shows so much, both in the way that the show is being made, and and how the cast interacts with the fandom. And you can almost tell the notes that they took while working on Supernatural, both as an actor, the principal actor making notes in his head about things that he would do differently, probably. And Robbie having being just a staff writer. I mean, I think he was an EP at some point, but it was probably just a name only. But like he's talked about pushback and stuff. and, And he's talked about how on main Supernatural, he's got pushback on like romance and shit. Cause he always wanted more romance. So <laughs> Robbie, it, I see you. It feels like their notes anyway. for improvement align with what kind of we wanted. And yeah. even though a lot of people weren't jazzed about the idea of the show being about John and Mary, it's clearly not just about them. Yeah. And this episode proved it. And the behind the scenes culture is so nice. Yeah. And everyone's lovely. And I I love this show and I love this fandom that's going along with it. Same. And I'm sorry for getting sappy right now. No, don't apologize. I was getting sappy also. So I feel like that's probably a good place to call it. Real quick, just before we sign off, I just want to say I miss Ada and I Same. eagerly wait her return. Same. I always miss Ada. I just, Dimitri like when, when, McKinney is just so beautiful and such a magnetic performer. And I just. When Millie was tinkering with the box. I'm like, no, where's like, Ada? No, I want I Ada. We need Ada here. Need um, Ada. Also, like the, the Samuel Millie ship that fleeted through my head was just like. I also want to see. I want to see Ada interact with Samuel because clearly they have a like a history as well, and I want to see what that relationship is like. So, and once again, I'm saying I'm eagerly waiting the appearance of Deanna. Okay, I know. I'm still kind of riding on my theory that she might be the Akriba Queen, but who knows? Who knows at this point? Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to rate, review, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I can't list our social media handles off the top of my head because I have no brain cells. Mostly just end of the book pod. Yeah. If you search end of the book pod on, you'll find us. I'm Jen. I'm Rachel. Uh, Uh, Pearl. 
Pearl our producer, our lovely and producer. Then, and then Lid. Just to and then Lydia, you know, who abandoned us before yeah. we got to talk about um, the fun stuff. No, her family was having a bonfire, which honestly sounds pretty dope. So it they're probably actually. having s'mores, and I'm like a little jealous. And I'm just rotting in my living room with my Christmas tree still on. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Until next time. Until next time. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>